The windows in Mrs. Pena's pink house were not. The lesson learned from the Sinaloa man was that you don't leave the car unless you have to. Mrs. Pena had explained earlier that the mortgage payments she had stopped making nine months ago had been $700 a month. She would continue to withhold payments to the bank while I worked the case. She would have a free ride for as long as I kept the bank at bay, so there was money to be made here. Make it two fifty a month. I'll give her the cut-rate plan. Make sure she knows she's getting a deal and that she can never be late with the payments. We can take a credit card if she has one with any juice on it. Just make sure it doesn't expire until at least 2012. Rojas translated, with more gestures and many more words than I had used, while I pulled my phone. The text had come from Lorna Taylor. Call me ASAP. I'd have to get back to her after the client conference. A typical practice would have an office manager and receptionist, but I didn't have an office other than the back seat of my Lincoln, so Lorna ran the business end of things and answered the phones at the West Hollywood condo she shared with my chief investigator. My mother was Mexican-born, and I understood her native language better than I ever let on. When Mrs. Pena responded, I knew what she said, the gist of it, at least. But I let Rojas translate it all back to me anyway. She promised to go inside the house to get the $1,000 cash retainer and to dutifully make the monthly payments. To me, not the bank. I figured that if I could extend her stay in the house to a year, my take would be four grand total. Not bad for what was entailed. I would probably never see Mrs. Pena again. I would file a suit challenging the foreclosure and stretch things out. The chances were I wouldn't even make a court appearance. My young associate would do the courthouse legwork. Mrs. Pena would be happy, and so would I. Eventually, though, the hammer would come down. It always does. I thought I had a workable case, even though Mrs. Pena would not be a sympathetic client. Most of my clients stop making payments to the bank after losing a job or experiencing a medical catastrophe. Mrs. Pena stopped when her three sons went to jail for selling drugs and their weekly financial support abruptly ended. Not a lot of goodwill to be had with that story. But the bank had played dirty. I had looked up her file on my laptop. It was all there, a record of her being served with notices involving demands for payment and then foreclosure. Only Mrs. Pena said she had never received these notices, and I believed her. It wasn't the kind of neighborhood where process servers were known to roam freely. I suspected that the notifications had ended up in the trash and the server had simply lied about it. If I could make that case, then I could back the bank off Mrs. Pena with the leverage it would give me. That would be my defense, that the poor woman was never given proper notice of the peril she was in. The bank took advantage of her, foreclosed on her without allowing her the opportunity to make up the arrears, and should be rebuked by the court for doing so. Okay, we have a deal, I said. Tell her to go in and get the money while I print out a contract and receipt. We'll get going on this today. I smiled and nodded at Mrs. Pena. Rojas translated and then jumped out of the car to go around and open her door. Once Mrs. Pena left the car, I opened the Spanish contract template on my laptop and typed in the necessary names and numbers. I sent it to the printer that sat on an electronics platform on the front passenger seat. I then went to work on the receipt for funds to be deposited into my client trust account. Everything was above board. Always. It was the best way to keep the California bar off my ass. I might have a bulletproof car, 
but it was the bar I most often checked for over my shoulder. It had been a rough year for Michael Holler and Associates, attorneys at law. Criminal defense had virtually dried up in the down economy. Of course, crime wasn't down. In Los Angeles, crime marched on through any economy. But the paying customers were few and far between. It seemed as though nobody had money to pay a lawyer. Consequently, the public defender's office was busting at the seams with cases and clients while guys like me were left starving. I had expenses, and a 14-year-old kid in private school who talked about USC whenever the subject of colleges came up. I had to do something, and so I did what I had once held as unthinkable. I went civil. The only growth industry in the law business was foreclosure defense. I attended a few bar seminars, got up to speed on it, and started running new ads in two languages.